Today and Here's London present Health Today, a series of interviews with health professionals who share their personal experiences, their responsibility at work, and their vision for the future of their role. This time we talk to Klaus Musmeier, Chief Ethics, Risk and Compliance Officer at Novartis. Klaus, thank you very much for coming all the way from Basel to the Palais de Nation. Um, I would like to start our, our conversation with a typical job interview question that uh, seeks to get to know the person rather than the professional. What can you tell us about yourself? I'm Klaus, German but married to a Spanish wife, uh, three beautiful kids grown up in the meantime. We're living, by the way, uh, in a small town between Basel and Freiburg, beautiful landscape, black forest and the wine yards there. and. Uh, Sport, health is super important for us. We're trying to practice as a family, uh, also as a couple of sports basically every day. And another hobby is my, my vintage car, a Volvo Amazon 9066. It's wonderful to drive it there also in, in the area. So the so family, if I start with my own childhood, I was the, the youngest of four boys, which makes you in a certain way resilient al already. And, always try to strive and, and to push hard. So therefore, uh, and I've been very grateful to my, to my parents, by the way, I want to say this. So really had a big focus on, on being modest, humble, and focus on health and on good education. Um, so I, I spent a couple of years in the army to become an army officer, and then I, I went into, into law, law school, because I thought that's a, a study which is very broad. You can define your career, your way afterwards. I wasn't quite sure what I should do. A little bit lost after the army, to be honest. And then I had a very relevant personal topic. One of my best friends got cancer. And this was the first big health topic in my life, in my, uh, yeah, with my friends and with my family. And it also made me nearly sick because it affected me heavily. And I, then I, I thought, well, what What are positions in life where you can have impact, uh, be close to people? The first choice uh, was to become a criminal defense lawyer because I thought we help people who are under attack, you need uh, people standing next to them in very difficult situation. After some years I thought, well, that's also not the way going forward because the impact is very limited and I also wanted to have a, a bigger impact and I went to corporate. And Just reflecting that I'm here at the United Nations, one of my biggest moments in time was when I, representing back then my former company Siemens as the Chief Compliance Officer speaking to the General Assembly of the United Nations in New York after we set up our new compliance system in the company. Thank you very much. Now, let's talk about the professional. So, what exactly is your role within the company? So, after 18 years at Siemens, I joined end of 2018 Novartis, one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, as a member of the executive committee and the chief ethics, risk and compliance officer. So what is, is this? First of all, we are running the company, a company which reaches basically nearly 800 million patients with all the issues you have in research and development, manufacturing and distributing, granting access to patients. In a specific role of ethics, risk and compliance, we are trying to build trust. Uh, trust internally with our associates, trust externally with society, because our business is full of ethical dilemmas. Whatever we do, because we are so close to human health and life. So practical examples are we created a new code of ethics where we 
did uh, co-creation with associates inside the company, people outside the company, to make it meaningful in the local contest. Risk management sounds very theoretical. That's managing, for example, the COVID pandemic for the company and keeping global supply chains open for our 800 million patients around the world or managing to the best what we can the humanitarian crisis in the Ukraine, granting access to the patients we have in the Ukraine and of course also in Russia. And in compliance, the fight against corruption, really making sure that we have a safe, a good image and that we really maintain our processes. And the, days, the work is different every day. It's a lot about interaction with colleagues internally and a huge amount of stakeholders at the United Nations uh, today also externally to build really long-lasting trust with society. Thanks again. Now, based on, on, on your job description at Novartis, which you just shared with us, how do you see the area performing in 10 years, let's say? Yeah, first of all, I believe that there's a future. Uh, I believe that ethics, risk and compliance needs to stay on the forefront. I mean, we, we have a big societal debate, especially after the pandemic, about ethical um, dilemmas, issues. People are unhappy, there's social unrest. If you, if you see it from the positive side, there's a huge interest in ethics. And we, when we did our ethical um, uh, surveys in the company, 10,000 of people responded. So we, we see there's an appetite for an ethical debate. And I think we need to be very focused on future developments on the ethical side. And take, for example, artificial intelligence. The people are scared, but they also want to use it. So what is for the companies, what is for the societies the right way going forward? I think our profession can add a perspective on it, on, on it can add proposals as we had done last year with our, yeah, our proposal for responsible use of artificial intelligence in our company. Then medicine is changing. A uh, lot is going virtual. Telemedicine is maybe the future for society, which is from an access point of view, good. You can reach more people, but the ethics, risk and compliance models need to adapt. Social media in the interaction with our partners, the medical profession, the patient organizations, has a much bigger bigger focus in the future, but also risks the misuse of social media. So I really believe that this function is needed in companies, this assurance piece and an ethics catalyst, not as a, as a giver of solutions, but as part of the discussion, triggering societal debates for a good collaboration, especially between the private and public sector. If we would like to have your own definition of ethics, what that would be. So we, we, we try to bring this in one sentence which tells me personally also a lot. It's, it's, it's called doing what's right. Doing what's right. And this, this came out of a, a huge dialogue with, with our associates. What, what does ethics mean for them in their circumstance? And there are sub-aspects of course like being open-minded, a good listener, taking over accountability, being honest. But is doing what rights is a good start to have an ethical debate because doing what rights implies a lot. No harm, no? for example, mm -hmm. right? Being authentic, right? walk the talk, this famous acting even if, if nobody watches you doing what's right. And I'm a big fan to, to get the people in their context when it comes to ethical questions because the one thing is the big theoretical topic 
And then the question is, how do the people react under stress in their personal situation? There we have to start the dialogues on ethics and on what means doing it right. How does the what's right process work? Is it, is it something that the company updates every year? How, how does it work? Could you, could you please develop that? First of all, it starts about the dialogue, isn't it? I mean, what our approach was when we designed a new code of ethics was co-creation. Let's get people from all over the world into this discussion, not just write the ethic codex for the organization, but ask the people what is important for you. And you know, you know the, top, the top issues which came up were human rights, dignity, safe workplace, diversity, respect, and we, we try to get this into the codex and not only important topics like anti-bribery and uh, uh, the respect for competition law, but to bring these very human mm -hmm. ethics issues also in our ethics debate and in the code of ethics. What did it inspire Novartis to create or to insert the word ethics in one of its top management roles? First of all, it was a risk to be very honest, because you immediately are measured against standards, which, and we are not perfect, we'll never be perfect as part of society. But we came after a really big debate <clears throat> to the conclusion, compliance is not enough. I mean, with compliance, you basically fulfill the basic requirements. You don't break the law. But in our industry, especially, when it's all about human life and health, it's much more. Where do you put your money in research and development? We have so much unmet need when it comes to disease areas. Think about how do you research in cell and gene therapy? Where are the limits? How do you grant access to as many patients as possible without compromising or harming the public health system? Mm -hmm. And still running a profitable business because that's the dilemma we are in. We are profit-based organization because we spend nine billion every year on research and development and mm -hmm. most of our medicine we develop over 10-15 years is not coming to the market because you can't force science. It fails last minute. So this, these topics you can't capture with compliance alone. You can't build trust with the compliance alone. But mm -hmm. it's a risk. Mm -hmm. It's a risk. Is it, is, it, is it something that the industry needs? Is it a, is it a, it's something that is going to become a trend to add the, the ethics definition? Yes, it needs to be a dialogue between the industry, uh, the public sector and society. I always say we have to be careful to say industry is separate, industry is somehow different from society. We, we are part, I mean we are employing 100,000 people and, and have suppliers and everyone, an ecosystem around us touching 800 million patients. So. That's a debate beyond the industry. But the industry needs to be a player as well. It can't be silent there. And if I see the change in the last decades of the industry, which was heavily criticized for good reasons as well, mm -hmm. uh, especially during the pandemic, I think the ethics debate came back. And if I look what happens in industry association, discussion about environmental, social governance topics, I believe we have in the meantime a better discussion ethics than before. We, we had the, the opportunity to meet virtually uh, during the, the World Economic Forum in 2022. Uh, what are the main learnings that the, the forum left you with? 
Yeah, for you said it was a particular one. It was the first one for me, so for me it's difficult to, to compare. But I sense this very special situation. I give you a practical example. In Davos, um, there was always a Russian house. It became the house of Russian war crimes. So it's was a special situation that the Ukraine delegation there, a lot of discussion. And I still believe, and therefore I'm also engaging very much at the OECD and the G20, we need these platforms to discuss. If we stop these big platforms, we don't have a dialogue anymore. And the people, some people criticize Davos and maybe the UN as well and the OECD and others, yeah. but yeah, we are slow maybe, but if we don't have these platforms for dialogue, nothing will change. So the first learning I would say was uh, absolutely important to keep this for dialogue. Mm -hmm. Second, uh, I would say I, I saw a strong reflection of societal topics at Davos, which was good. Mm -hmm. So um, in the aftermath, hopefully aftermath of the pandemic, health was a big topic. It has to be a big topic because healthcare will change access to patients will change and the next pandemic will come so that was a big a big uh, topic and the focus on uh, what can we do better on environmental social governance standards was absolutely uh, nearly maybe the top one issue and the third one maybe uh, just as an anecdote I was speaking on an ethic panel ethics yeah. panel and you know we had a strong competition because at the same time, the big Davos music concert was happening. So I mm -hmm. thought, no, no one will be there. Yeah. Yeah, no one. I was sitting there with the colleagues on the panel, and no one. And this was in a in a public school um, in the gym, yeah. and it was packed by young students. So, and I, I was so fascinated that despite a strong competition of a music event, young people came to discuss ethics at Davos. This gave me a lot of hope. If you go to the corporate website of Novartis and um, you take a look at, at the purpose of the company, uh, the definition says that is to reimagine medicine. How do you translate this into the field of concrete things? Yeah, we see two major shifts or shifts which need to happen uh, in medicine and healthcare. The one um, is on, on the access side. I mean, if you look back, access to medicine is in a way uh, uh, discriminating against low and medium income countries, which we can't accept going forward. You have innovative medicine uh, always served first uh, in high income markets and then sometimes over years coming to low and medium uh, income countries. And this is a discrimination. So. We need uh, access to medicine on a broader basis and this is one of our big goals since many years at Novartis. We, we put access principles in early research already in place years ago. We said we want to have tiered pricing systems so people in, in poorer countries have to pay less for medicine. This means as a societal contract that in rich countries we have to pay more for innovative medicine. If mm -hmm. not, it will not work. We put out the first financial bond linked on access to medicine. So we want really to get access and uh, to, to innovative medicine uh, to, uh, to the globe. And we can only do this together. And this is also about population health topics. I mean, 
cardiovascular diseases, cancer, this is a population health topic. You need to really come to an understanding between industry and the government how do you tackle this on education, prevention and access to the medication on a, on a broader base. And this is a challenge because after the pandemic the budgets are empty. And we have to refocus this on access to medicine, especially in these areas for, for the population. That's, that's one where we really are passionate. The other one is a technolo technological uh, advance and, and development. And mm -hmm. that's, that's mind-blowing. I mean, if you look what happens on sudden gene therapy as of today. Yeah. So we come from medicines which can delay progress of a disease to medicines which can cure completely a cancer, for example. Mm -hmm. A lot of setbacks, a lot of suspicion and mistrust as well. Very expensive also here, the access topic. But this is, we believe, truly is the future of medicine as well. But there's a lot of ethical topics also around this. So therefore, this reimagining medicine is about access and the future of healing, of healing, curing of diseases going forward. Mm -hmm. Now that, that we are at the United Nations office at Geneva, what is the role that Novartis would like to have with the UN and its related offices? Yeah, Julian, I mean, this is, um, I think the pandemic has shown us that we, we can overcome the big societal questions only together. The same is true for bribery, for example. I mean, the industry alone, the governments alone, the international institutions alone, they, they can't solve it. The pandemic has shown this. I mean, we have all to work together to overcome the pandemic. And therefore, I always say globalization is not that. We need maybe a different globalization. But without globalization, we don't have uh, really working supply chain. We don't have really supply for all people around the globe. So we need to work there together as industry and as public international sector. So the first point would be we need to constantly talk to each other and overcome suspicion and, mm -hmm. and, and lack of trust. That, that's the first thing. We can't easily address you. There are barriers, mm -hmm. there are restrictions, which mm -hmm. we from a compliance point understand, but we need to discuss this. If this is really healthy for a joint action plan or if this is more a barrier if we, if we can't talk to each other. So there we will be interested in a dialogue. And then we need to define, because we need success stories, we really need success stories, tangible success stories. We need to define very specific actions where we can work together. I'll give you two examples. The one, falsified medicines, the fight against falsified medicines. The amount of people who are dying a falsified malaria medication in Africa is huge. It's absolutely huge. So falsified, the fight against falsified medicines needs to be a joint fight. And we are already in this with the United Nations, but we have to foster this and do, do more of this. And the second is collective action in the fight against corruption. The UN has one of the lighthouses in the fight against corruption, the new convention against corruption, global instrument. And we, as an industry, we can support. We can work on specific country-based projects together with your teams on education, bringing private, public sector together. Very down-to-earth, very measurable. So we hope that we can engage there even more in the future. Um, you just mentioned dialogues and barriers. That would imply, if I'm not mistaken, that the discussion has never started. Uh, 
what what are some examples where you see value in starting a conversation? I think open roundtables on access to med medicines bring together the industry, United Nations and institutions like the WHO for example mm -hmm. could be super relevant okay. to have an open discussion to as a door open to start this. Okay. And this has to be totally transparent, so public, whatever. But just to see us all as, as with good intentions, drivers who want at the end want to achieve the same, the mm -hmm. same goal. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, Klaus, for your time Thank today. you. Yeah. Pleasure.